virtual, it's not real. <laughs> it's all made of bollocks. All those photos were amazing. Um, anyway, let's get started. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. I am Anthony... Oh no, I want to cut that bit out on my identity theft. Uh, I am Anthony Price. And uh, I'm going to tell you what I used to call myself when I was a small child many moons ago. And I was called Jonathan Aubrey Strawberry. Um, Prince Charles. And I'll leave the surname out just in case I get data theft. But uh, they or can corrupted listen, they any can... more than I am already. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Anyway, um, how's the life of Bongo land? Uh, Bongo. I'm feeling guilty. We haven't um, been in the Bongo for a while, um, mainly because life has been so busy and um, I'm building these courses. I'm doing loads of stuff with you. Um, I'm, I'm getting to the final. This sounds awful. This kitchen thing's been going on forever, but I am nearly, nearly done. I'm getting the... You know when you do a project and it's really, really down to the final little finishing off bits, which yeah. take years, far longer than the strip out and the putting back in again. Mm. Anyway, I'm at that point now where I'm moving handles on fridges over to the other side, which, you know, on the face of it looks quite a simple, straightforward thing. But when you find that the factory fittings don't work and you have to make something... Yeah. Uh, that oh my god it's anyway so i've got that going on as well i made a life hack for you know when you have to do the kitchen hand the cupboard handles yeah and i built i, I looked online as how to do this on repeat easily and because all your handles are on the corners normally aren't they of a, absolutely yeah, yeah so i built this right angle thing with a sheet of mdf on the back of it with the pilot holes drilled through to be exactly where the markers need to be on the corners so it Ooh. sits on the corner like so imagine that's your corner of your sorry for the so that's the, that's your cupboard door and the frame yeah. meets that there and there's already a pilot hole there and there so it knows exactly where for you to drill through so it's consistent in every uh, rather than you measuring and marking if all of this goes pear-shaped and you know what you need to do mdf life hack corner thingamajiggies on youtube yeah I think that's brilliant. Um, so now, tell you. So we've done the bongo story. Isn't really much of anything uh, this week. But I tell you what, we had the massive, massive storm last night. Huge storm, and I've got this umbrella in the garden, which is dilapidated. And I, I'm. It's one of those things. I every every year I restore it uh, to keep it going for yet another year. And anyway, so it's it's it is literally stuck together with uh, sellotape and things. And uh, anyway, so this storm hit last night out of nowhere. Didn't I didn't know. I, I hadn't looked at the weather forecast or anything. And so I came down in my dressing gown and my um, What time shoes. was this? What time was this? I think this was about midnight-ish or something. And it was pouring, absolutely pouring with rain. The wind the, had got up. For the listener's felt, benefit, JB does tend to go to bed quite early. He's normally a 10.30 latest kind of guy, certainly when I've been travelling with you anyway. Yeah, I do. I, I like a you know, I like an early possible unless there's you know a bit of a party going on, in which case I'm can tend to be a bit of an animal, yeah. Uh, as you know. Um, anyway, so there I was fighting with my umbrella in the garden, uh, about to do a sort of reverse Mary Poppins and disappear off into the into the sea. And uh, anyway, I managed to pull it back down again. But of course, I can't dismantle it because I'd never put it all back together. I mean, it probably was its last adventure last night. This is this a garden guy. umbrella rather than a? Yeah, it's. A, I think the, the technical term is parasol. Right, right, um, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's enormous. It's an enormous thing, but it's almost bigger than the garden. Um, and uh, in fact, can you see it? Yeah, I have, I've seen it before. You showed it to me the other day because you said oh, it was yeah, so like. Yeah. So that's no, what you're putting down. Right. It, it's got nostalgic value. So I, I, I you know, I will, I will build it back up again. And, and anyway, so I managed to um, feed it onto the ground and settle it and put chairs all over it so it didn't take off again. So that was the first thing. Then back to bed. Then two o'clock this morning, the alarm went off. Um, <sighs> so we got struck. Well, the street got struck by lightning. The whole street went out. And um, the alarm went off, so wife and I, blurry, just went round the house wondering what had gone on, what was happening, uh, trying to put the bloody power on, um, chaos. And we haven't really slept since, so... It does, um, when, when a house next. alarm goes off, it does, it does, when you're woken up like that with that piercing sound. Yeah. And if you think there's an intruder, which, as you say, you know inevitably it was being struck by lightning, but it, when you're half well, asleep, it is that moment of... <gasps> Murder scene yeah. moment. 
it, it, it felt like we were, it, it, the invasion had started. Uh, this was it. It was happening. Um, I, I jumped out of bed and was ready to, to fend off anything. I didn't know whether it was a, a rat or a snake or a, or a, a person in a military outfit or, or an intruder. I, I just was completely confused by the whole thing. You know when you go into really deep sleep and you wake up and you don't know what's going on? Yes. That was me at two o'clock this morning. So we're going to have a sleepy episode of the podcast today. I think it might might be a little bit more laid back, I think, this morning. Nice, nice. Um, Well, this side of the the country, we had no storms overnight, um, apart from perhaps in my panties because I had, you know, egg for breakfast. But other than that, it was it was perfectly a normal, normal evening overnight. I'm looking for a reaction because JB, JB's not a fan of toilet humour, so I always like to try and shoehorn some of that into the conversation um, no i'm not rising to that one no no no, no crack no. on yeah we're still on about inside your pants again are we right okay so not rising oh, to wow. um so this week jb has an interesting topic i think there was a listener question somewhere and uh, from one of our audiences um if you remember in the week we said we we're going to oh. keep the topic around so we'll, we'll bring that yes. up as well if i can dig out the piece of paper that i wrote it down on um and of course, um, your listener questions, if you are a regular to us, then we shouldn't need to remind you that if you have a listener question, you can send it to globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or glp at seedle.com. They both come through to us um, and we will attempt to answer them. And all as ever, we always have interesting topics. Now, we're also getting over last week's trial of LinkedIn Live. We hadn't done LinkedIn Live before. And we were asked whether we would do it on Seedle, which is the platform in which, as you know, our podcast um, is broadcast via. And um, it, it, today's quite intimate because we've got no live audience today due to some technical difficulties. So it's just me and JB today. And it, it feels like a... Like, like the old to, days. Yeah, the old days. Exactly. <laughs> when we didn't have anyone listening. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just your wife. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the download numbers are still good, which is good. So um, so anyway, so for those of you that are listening to us in podcast land, there is no live audience today for us to bounce off of. It is just myself and JB. And as a word of sadness, I must tell you that there will be no episode next week because um, I've got um, some away work to be doing. So um, I'll be leaving. Unless JB wants to record one alone, which 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 will be great I'm sure but without the bants it, it might be you know more great I just don't know oh I, I I couldn't possibly do that it would be outrageous to do that oh okay so um, you, you sent an article didn't you or it wasn't an article was it an article it was kind of it wasn't really an article was it well um, I subscribe to um, something that gives me Bloomberg Business Week and it was the ti- it's always the title that uh, catches my eye. Anyway, this title was um, a crash course in decoding voices at work. <clears throat> and um, when we listen only to the words, we miss important information. And it's by Ariane Cohen. And it reminds me of something that my wife said to me the other day it was a really nice quote and she couldn't remember where she got it from but it was um listening to uh the words is okay but you've got to listen to the music so you can li- so i oh, know actually i've got this wrong <laughs> it's listening to the lyrics otherwise words but you know if you if you don't listen to the music as well you're not gonna kind of really get what's going on in the room uh, in the conversation, and it, so this kind of reminds me of that. And do you know what I mean? It it, it reminds me also of of what you and I have spoken about frequently in in programs we've done, which is meaning comes from the recipient, not the communicator, and it's not what you said; it's how you said it. Um, Absolutely. And and too often, when when I first read the article, I was kind of I, I immediately kind of scrolled down to these examples that the article talks about, which. There's some amusing things in there and it's all built around psychology, isn't it, really? And ultimately body language and tonality as to what you can read, read the air rather than the words to, to interpret what's going on. Yeah, I, there's some some really quite interesting stuff in this article. Um, so the main thrust is pay, pay less attention uh, to the words and listen to their voices. I'm not sure I'm that brave. Um uh, this guy, uh, Alison Gabrielle, it is, um, perhaps it's a female, actually, if it's Alison. 
Is it one of those things where I just... You see, now this article here, the one, I'm, the, one I'm, the, one, the one I'm looking at says by Ariane, Ariane Cohen. Oh, yeah, no, but so she wrote the article, but then oh, she's, she's quoting right, Alison okay. Gabrielle. I'd, I'd, so um, apologies to our audience. I really haven't had any sleep, so I might um, misquote. So yeah. anyway, uh, anyway, so Alison is not a man. Alison is clearly a woman and is also Associate Professor of Management at the University of Arizona. Anyway, she says that um, these voices, um, not just the words, are quite leaky in terms of emotions. Underlying emotions leak out, even when outward display may be pleasant or smiling. Uh, voice is a hard channel to regulate in terms of emotion. So um, this is all about decoding um, and um, there's another guy, and this isn't a woman, it's a guy called Alan Cohen, um, or Cowan. Arian, not Alan, Arian. <laughs> no. <laughs> Where is this? No, Arian Cohen um, wrote Alan. an article, but this other... This other Alan Allison. <laughs> anyway. Um, was, a, there was is... a thunderstorm and a parasol, and... Sorry, as you were. Anyway, yes. this guy, Alan Cohen, who's a bloke. <laughs> it's Ariane Cohen. Look, look at the, look at the camera. Uh, oh, for God's sake. Okay. Anyway. Ariane, as in A-R-I-A-N-N-E. Um, Alan or Arian, I hope you're listening. Please do, you know, follow our podcast and... I'm almost at the point of giving up at this at this stage. But anyway, um, Alan, not to confuse it with Ariane, uh, who wrote this article, um, he's of Hume AI. Oh, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I've just found the word Alan in yeah, there. You're right, sorry. I, I'm just, if I could just kind of get this bit done and then we can have a conversation. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. Anyway. He says decoding isn't that hard. Uh, he's mapped out thousands of vocalizations and speech pattern recordings, uh, revealing the meanings in the volume, tone, inflection, cadence, and pauses. Um, and there aren't many experts who are better at decoding emotional expression than lay people, he says. So we got that guy, and not to be confused with Ariana Cohen, who wrote this article, or Alison Gabriel, because they're all part of this whole story. But just so just before you thought there are enough people involved in this story, there's another guy, stand by, Ant. Um, so this guy, Joe, it is Joe with an E, so it's a bloke. <laughs> Joe Navarro. Um, he he worked for the FBI for 25 years on body language. Now, this is where it gets quite interesting. Mm. Um, so he says, going beyond the content of a conversation can reveal much more about the speaker, how experienced they are, do they see themselves as equal or subordinate or superior, how are they feeling, um, they, they, and, you know, what, what kind of... Um, better way to establish har harmony than mirroring their cadence in those interview settings. So the more you mirror, the more in synchrony you are. So when you're doing those FBI interviews where you just kind of hook and hook and hook and hook, and then you get that magic moment and you found the truth. He's got some quite interesting ideas about those conversations. So I thought I'd um, maybe uh, try a few of these with you, Ant. What do you think? I'm very up for it. Um, yeah. I'm disappointed with Joe, though, because he hasn't um, got a name that's similar to Alan, Arian, or um, Aurora. Or, well, that, you know. So he stands out a little bit in Does. this piece that we're doing here. Um, this guy, Joe. Um, anyway, hopefully we'll get this over and done with... <laughs> quite soon but no it is quite interesting so and when you hear hmm. hesitation 
what do you think it might suggest? Hesitation for me will either be the person is anxious about what they're about to talk about or they're unsure about the topic they're about to speak on. Yeah. So even short pauses can reveal discomfort. That's quite a long pause, isn't it? I was going to say, has he fallen asleep? So <laughs> I did that deliberately just I know, to I could, test. I could see your face. It was <laughs> it was the I'm staying awake face and I'm pausing yeah. face. Yeah. Well, I just thought that's quite interesting. So he says um, that it suggests apprehension, perceived subordination, even short pause and reveal discomfort. Oh, so there we are. I'm having a moment of hesitation do i look like i'm apprehensive or subordinate and a little bit discomfort in discomfort i don't know and... I, I don't know i think your zoom connection might be a bit wobbly <laughs> <laughs> okay so so it could be a dodgy zoom connection okay. there should no. we try another one yes let's try another right. one okay <coughs> oh, what's Lordy. happening there and um I think JB may have swallowed a fly. I don't know why he swallowed a fly, but he swallowed a fly. Um, no, I know. So <clears throat> when I read the article, I thought it was more of a, <clears throat> rather, oh. than a rather than a coughing fit. Right. Okay. Um, but 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 certainly a <clears throat> is someone clearing their throat because they're about to say something and they're probably a bit <clears throat> almost hesitation. One of those. Yes. Yes. That. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Okay, so this suggests, according to this article, written by about 300 people with the same name. One called Joe. One, but one called Joe. With an E. The speaker wants to broach a difficult or controversial topic or is reluctant to reveal something. <clears throat> I really don't think we should talk about pants in our podcast, and <clears throat> I disagree. Okay. <clears throat> um, now, um, so this is one for you to do. Okay. Um, can you yeah. do some fast breathing? No, that doesn't. No, I think that's, that's not the noise that I do when I'm laying next to you in a pub. <laughs> I've had one too many Boddingtons. <laughs> they even make Boddingtons does, anymore. Your breath, that's, so that, that breathing does sound slightly dodgy from this side of the fence. But um, so yeah, but fast breathing... Oh, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like I'm going to blow. <laughs> there should be thunderstorms more often. It's making for a very creative <laughs> podcast. Okay, so this suggests stress or anxiety about the current situation. Okay, that's that one. Okay. Um, okay, now um, the next one we know all about, don't we, Ant? Don't you think? I think we do. I think... I get the impression that you're not entirely sure about what you're saying. I'm just having a little think about everything and I'll come back to you tomorrow. Okay. Okay. We're going to fight them on the beaches. JB makes a very good point on this upward inflection statement, but I'll let JB be the revealer of the upward inflection. Okay. So this is, um, in this article, it's suggesting, um, this is risky. It says this Valley girl speak. Do you think that's one of the females in this article talking about valley girl speak? That sounds terrible. It does. Yeah. Anyway, this valley girl speak with rising pitch that could make declarative clauses sound like questions often implies tentative or nervousness. So I've always said that, Ant, with our little um, bits of work that we do. Mm. You know, you put that little uh, bit at the end. Like <clears throat> what's like really that? what's really good about that point is we've done this around the world and culturally international audiences also get it. Yeah. It's not it's not something that's just common to the English language. I sense that an upward inflection is almost a a tightening of, of your throat, which is just kind of I'm getting a bit tense. Um wow. and interestingly, um I think JB has we did this in Hong Kong and there was a group from Australia there and they kinda of said, Wow, we we upward inflection all of our sentences, um, which maybe means they're more laid back than than other nationalities. I don't know, but they they actually in their accent they do upward inflections in the end of the sentences. 
because that's just how it's they are. true isn't it so if i said to you and this sunday i'm going off in my bongo you'd be thinking jb you don't are sound you? very certain about that are you yeah <laughs> whereas i if i said this weekend i'm going out and about in my bongo you think well he is actually going to do that yeah, so, yeah. i'm going so they, out they, in my bongo i'm going yeah. out in my bongo different meaning oh i like it um anyway that's referred to as up talk up talk girl i'm unsure whether i'm actually dreaming right now <laughs> yeah um now here's one can you can you say a few sentences with a slow deliberate pace and of course um i can i think that you could be coming up to a a different point now if i'm not mistaken god can you imagine a ceo who spoke like that i think i've met a couple of them <laughs> we trained a few <gasps> yeah <Don't> we? <laughs> not not in our current organization though in our previous no 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 absolutely all current work uh with clients um it's incredible not you. ceos yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, absolutely brilliant we'd never hear stretch lengthen uh <laughs> words and slow deliberate pace that would <laughs> um anyway so this suggests pensiveness the person is carefully choosing words and cares about precise communication just like you did there and this is getting more and more <laughs> bizarre yeah so um oh no this is quite interesting and, and uh, maybe we'll finish this here uh, unless you're enjoying this and having a great um, time okay so when you hear stretched lengthen words now we have worked with someone who does do this and the example that's given they do it with this word and um so stretch lengthen words right right not right R <laughs> right i don't want to give the game away but you know what i mean yeah <laughs> jb i've never seen you do this sort of thing before this is bizarre <laughs> is it unsettling yeah jb are you are you, are you with this um anyway this this is the final one um for everybody so we don't if you're Lizzie, if you're deciding to tune off i completely understand We're do, do stick to... around we've got the weather do... and we've got traffic and travel next <laughs> anyway um oh my god right so this suggests superiority okay so um if you're not sure hum the tones of yourself without the words Okay, that's that. Okay, so that's my contribution to this podcast <laughs> for today. How do I follow that? I was trying to work out what you were saying there with, with your. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was looking, trying, well, it was just taking their advice. Oh, no, I know. I was, but I was thinking, but it, what was the words that you'd blanked out for the. Hum? Oh, I see. Okay. What? The ones that I'd redacted with yes. my. Mm, okay. It's right and right. <laughs> I don't think there's any learning for anyone with this particular. This uh, article was, yeah. <laughs> Don't 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 book those people for your public speeches. Um, it seemed quite interesting when I. <laughs> and then when you put it into practical, fucking it's... what? Uh, that oh, well. didn't make any sense. I think I'll just have to. No, no, I, I've had fun. Uh, I've had fun um, with that, that uh, one. Um, have you got anything sent? We better we better do something quite sensible now because there was absolutely no learning from that whatsoever. Um, not, <laughs> I think there was. Um, um, yeah, don't subscribe to Apple News. This is the learn I suspect. <laughs> um, anyway, no, that article is there if you're interested. I think we've conveyed the majority of the outputs. 
Well, there's more. Yeah, there are. But we're not going back there. No. We've done, we've done as much damage to our audience as you can possibly do in one session. Right, now, Ant. Yes, so um, we um, have been running webinars all week um, in Ooh, various different jurisdictions and companies and cultures, which is always brilliant for us because often it does stimulate the thinking for podcast conversations. In fact, sometimes me and JB get asked questions at the end of some of these webinars that are so long that we say we could do a whole episode on this question. And actually, um, whilst we probably can't do a whole episode, I thought it would be useful to to pull out um, one of these questions for a revisit. So on Tuesday, we were working with a predominantly US-based audience, US, UK and um, Eastern Europe. So it was quite a big time zone thing. And it was all about courage. And um, there was questions about, there was a question that came in that was essentially asking, is courage a good thing if actually it, by being courageous can potentially harm you for, you know, for personal reasons? So in other words, standing up for what's right for others may sometimes be harmful to yourself or to your reputation with your line manager. And this question came up as a result of us asking people to rate their manager's courage levels versus their own and also people's self-esteem levels. And it kind of, I think, picked the wound with some of our audience about why they may not be courageous. Or maybe they are courageous, but they aren't in certain situations. Um, so the, the the question for discussion, I suppose, if I was to put it into a single sentence is, how courageous should leaders be if it's potentially going to harm themselves? Hmm. Is he now? I don't know whether he's redacting his words and just humming the answer, or he's. Um, mm. Now right. I'm really conscious about what I'm going to say. And how am I going to say it? How am I going to say it? Courage. <laughs> Courage. Courage, mon brave. Um, well, so is it appropriate to take the hit for the team sometimes and being seen to do so? Uh, as a leader, uh, uh, you know, you back something that others may not back. You back the individual, you back the idea. And you might take a short-term hit. You might take a... It, it, you take a risk, don't you, sometimes? Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't always pay off. It doesn't always work. But if you don't take the risk, you're never going to know whether it was worth investing in that risk. So... I think, do you know, I, the more I get into um, stuff around courage, uh, the more interesting I feel it is for now. And I think there's this kind of um, balance, new balance that needs to be found between being courageous about the decisions that we need to make as leaders in organisations with um a, a kind of it's almost like a degree of hypersensitivity in the conversations that we need to have with individuals in organizations and lead them through um, with great care uh, some of the ch changes that people are dealing with outside of work and inside work and if if leaders don't get that um, I think that's a that's a problem mm. but in terms of the the kind of courage thing my goodness, you know, sometimes I think we've got to step up and really be courageous and really back the thing that we're going to do or the thing, the idea, the person, the concept or whatever, and put our balls on the line, even if it means our credibility, if it fails, might take a dip in some people's eyes. And whose eyes are those? You know, who who is... Who is deciding that that was a courageous act or a stupid act? I, I think there are many occasions uh, recently in political terms where, you know, I think I would have ref I would have preferred more courage um, and and less um, less safe safer kind of more popular decision-making. Be, be courageous. You know, if you're going to lock down, do it properly. Lock it down. Don't create uncertainty. Get behind it. Put your reputation on the line. 
Um, and if you failed, you know inside you did you you felt with all the analysis, with everything that you had available to you, you made a decision with the best intention and with the best information that you had at the time. I backed that that person a million times over the person uh, who backs away from the tough decision um, because they want to remain popular. I'm not mentioning any names at this point. So when um, this question was asked on Tuesday, my reaction was from a different perspective. And you and I, I think, danced around this point in conjunction with, with your point you've just made, which is the cost of doing nothing can be more painful than doing something. So you need to weigh up in your mind whether not being courageous now will cause you probably more long-term harm than short-term harm by doing something now. So if you are seen as a leader to lack courage, then people may be tempted to not work for you, perhaps again, as in if they do leave the company, would they come and work for you again? And you and I both would agree, JB, that you want to keep your best people working for you time and time again if you can. Um, and that's what you see in lots of organisations. You bring in people you used to work with because you know they can do a great job. Um, and so therefore, I would say you have to weigh up, using the upward inflection at the end of your sentences, um, what a lack of courage now can do in terms of harm to you for the long-term future versus a short-term pain point in return for people knowing that you're courageous. It depends on your aspirations, I suppose, doesn't it? Because if you're asking this question, and we did say to the person in the audience, we'll use this question in our podcast. If so, if you happen to be listening to this, I hope this is resonating one way or the other. But if you are kind of in your mind at the end of where you wish to be in terms of levels in the organisation, and this is where you are happy to be right now, then I guess it will determine that short-term pain then actually is just more about people that work around you kind of know that this person stands up for what's morally right if that's what the courage was needed for. And I sense the, to the, the, con I, well, I, I sense the question was leading more towards um, uncomfortable pain as a result of being courageous standing up to a leader, I think was when this, con this question came up. So I think you have to weigh up if... By doing nothing, short-term versus long-term pain. Because my experience tells me, if you do nothing, it's going to bite you on the arse at some point in the future. And equally, the reputational damage that you've done with the people that perhaps previously respected you for being courageous is damaged somewhat. When we were talking about that um, fabulous model... Um, you know, where you have the, the zone... Heidi Klum. Oh, no, not that model. The, the zone of comfortable debate... Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. ...and the zone of uncomfortable debate and the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think in my early management life, uh, I, I was always worried about going into the zone of uncomfortable debate in a team meeting. And I think one was actually encouraged by others not to do it. You know, it's like, oh, let's not upset this, you know, because it, it's all going swimmingly well. You know, it's all fine. Um, and you kind of, you kind of, you're led by your instincts and others uh, not to get into the zone of uncomfortable debate because it's uncomfortable. And, um, you know, then saying, actually, I think there's an elephant in the room here. Uh, you know, that's even more scary for everybody. It's like, oh, God, blimey, not that again. And... I, the times that I avoided that uh, earlier on in my career, I look back and I just think, God, I wish I'd, I wish that I'd, I'd actually had that dartboard on the wall in my office, the zone of, uh, you know, comfortable debate, the zone of uncomfortable debate and the elephant in the room. And it, it gets, you know, the elephant in the room is right in the middle of the dartboard and it gets sort of out in these, these, these circles. Uh, because I think I could have used that playfully to actually explore some quite uncomfortable things uh, and then actually uh, create tension, deliberately create tension. 
um, and enable people to feel it, to deal with it, and to know that it's okay because we survived it the last time and the time before that. And it's actually quite cultural for us to feel tension. It's all right. It's how we deal with it and the conversations that happen during it and, <coughs> and after. And, and then my final point on it is that my latter experience is that there is a sort of sweet spot that happens after you've been through that uh, tension and difficulty as a team. I think there's something quite sort of bonding around it. And, mm. you know, people who are able to, you know, say what they need to say and feel that they're being listened to in a, in a proper controlled environment, not controlled environment, but a safe environment, I think that I think there's a lot of value in the bit that happens just after the storm. A bit like me today, um, you know. Look at the value of this podcast, uh, given the storm I went through last night. It's not a good metaphor at all. In fact, I think we ought to scrap this podcast. It's not. It, it's just. Anyway, don't know what no no what but inflections are. The podcast is great. The podcast is great the podcast today. is great today the podcast is great today wow at all available places where you get your podcast this is possibly the best podcast you're ever gonna hear now at our price selected retailers online tubs and dishes supply um my, my t so interesting on the back on the courage wagon for a moment um, and the meetings, I have to agree with you. So as I start, as my career started to take off, which was about three weeks ago, um, no, a, a few years ago now, um, I was invited to a senior leadership meeting. And, and these people were very senior in a very, very big organization. So I had to fly to the US and I was asked to represent from a sales, sales strategy and um, sales education perspective. And I was invited in with the the four global heads of sales from around the world and the global head of sales in the US. And unbeknown to me, then the CEO of the whole company happened to turn up to kick off this meeting to say, I thought I'd come and say a few words. You know, we're bringing you guys together because we need you to sort it out. I say guys, guys and girls were in the room. And <clears throat> I was one of those people, JB, that always used to sit probably in those meetings in the in my my lack of experience in in meetings with others that were accountable i was a influencer rather than the buck stops with me and i had deliberately probably underplayed that value that i could say anything i wanted really and i'm not accountable for the decisions they make so i am an influence and i watched this person who was in this meeting really elephant of the room style and would cut people, no, I don't think, you're not telling me what you really think here. You need to tell me what you really think. And they really challenged the non-elephants in the room to become elephants in the room. And it was a really eye-opening experience. And and actually, there was some really uncomfortable debate. But off the back of the meeting, there were some bloody brilliant decisions that were made. And it taught me at that point that actually, if you're paid to be in a role that requires you to have an opinion, you're not doing the company justice. And in actual fact... You can edge into the elephant in the room territory by saying, you're paying me for an opinion, so I'm going to give it to you. If you don't want to do anything with it, that's your choice. But here's my opinion. And that two days in Denver, um, and the initials of the person that I'm talking about is DC, and I'm sure you will mm -hmm. remember him from your times in Colombia uh, as Very well. Very yeah. um, He had no... Uh, almost an immunity to un to, un uh, to to being uncomfortable with uncomfortable debate. It was just well, this is this is discussion. It's yeah. not going to be easy. I've got an opinion. If you don't give me an opinion, I'm going to railroad you. So give me an opinion. But often when you did challenge him, you go, "Well, that's a, an interesting point. I like that." So I had misread the rooms being that combative was disagreement. Actually, a bit like in politics. Debate is a good thing because the worst thing that can happen is when discussions don't happen at all. And that's why this week I noticed on the news the Biden-Putin meeting that's gone on. As a lot of the pundits have said, well, the fact is they're in dialogue. 
it's much better that they're having dialogue and meeting each other and having discussions as opposed to them, you know, just throwing mud from each other from the different parts of the world. And in the same way, if we want to get solutions or make progress, you've got to have those uncomfortable discussions. And we don't know what happened behind closed doors, but I'm pretty sure Putin and Biden, I suspect, are not people that avoid the elephant in the room. They will bring it out. Look, I have an agenda. We've got to bring these topics out. How do you respond to that? And you may agree to disagree. But for me, that's where this whole thing around courage has taught me a lot. That's really interesting about um, if you took 30 people and you put them in a room and you created a, an outer circle of chairs and then a middle circle of chairs. Are you giving away future IP of an idea we're about to do as a workshop in the future now? Go on, carry probably on. am, aren't I? I like and, it, but let's hear it. And for and the listeners, put, IPJB. And then you put, you put, you put, you've got the circle in the middle. And then uh, you get the people on the outer circle to have a comfortable debate about stuff, whether that's fed into the room or, or whether they do it spontaneously. You just say you have a lovely, comfortable debate mm. about anything that suits you um, with the person sitting uh, to your side and you just go round and round and round. And then the middle one, we want you to have conversations that are a little bit more uncomfortable. Whatever it, whatever it is, um, you know, push yourself to make it a little bit more uncomfortable. And then, the, so there's 10 on the outside ring, 10 in the middle, and then 10 uh, in, in the centre. And the, the one in the centre, they have to actually raise something that is actually the elephant in the room in their mind that day. You know, th something that is an elephant in the room that they... they you know, hopefully out of 10, you're going to, you, out of 10 people, you're going to find a few who are, are going to talk about the reason that I haven't been able to talk about an elephant in the room in my work is because blah, 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 blah. So There's probably a way of framing it all. And it'd be really interesting to get them to sit in all the different seats and, and actually just see what, what kind of conversations are happening. And for us Brits, you know, the outer, the outer circle is terribly easy. La di da, yeah. I don't want, to, I don't want to go in the middle. I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, and, and it, so the we oh, the weather. Oh, tell me about it. You know, we just had this huge storm. It's raining, and it's going to look like it's raining for another two days. And then, then actually, it gets a little bit, a little bit nicer uh, in a few days' time. I, mean, I could go on forever talking about the flipping weather. Um, and then you go. There is some mileage in your ID, you know. I think there's something there. I think then, if the if the culture allows genuine open dialogue that is open, honest and fair to use a lot of the rules that we try and implement in these workshops, com uncomfortable debate should be celebrated and not shied away from. Yeah. And then then we take what so what what conversations were happening in the middle? What conversations were happening in the center? and what conversations were happening on the outer ring um, and then see what what how do you how do you get more comfortable with the uncomfortableness as you get more towards the center what how do you how do you structure it how do you frame it how do you make it safe to do that what kind of so let's let's break out and have a look this is genius this is a this is another multi-million pound um, contract and waiting to happen. It is. Who's who's signing? Don't listen to the first half of the podcast. Don't listen to the last fifteen minutes. We're very credible. Yeah, the first half was was. Uh, can we cut that out? Or <laughs> what? Just good morning. Good. Anyway, so um, <laughs> the courage question. Um, no, I think it's good to leave in. I'm sure we'll listen back one day. And go. Well, there's some good ones and bad ones. Um, can I just bring up the point, JB, on on this? Do you remember when you and me were doing some work in different countries where we, by design, blew up a group of people in facilitating an activity that we knew would cause conflict? Oh, yes, I do. And Yes, I do. That actually, for many, when they look back at it after the event had happened, said that was probably the best thing that happened. And what they didn't realise was is we did it by design. In yeah. order for them to get to the elephant in the room, you have to simulate for this team 
an exercise that brings out all the behaviours that you ultimately need to solve. Um, and um, it sounds quite deep. I was talking to a, a client about it yesterday and they went, we could never do that in our place. They would be mortified at what it would look like from a cultural perspective. And do I said, it, do it. And I said, well, there's even more reason to do it because actually the people that have done it have looked back to say that for us was game changing in our behaviours towards each mm. other and our people because the elephant in the room was dragged out from the shadows and put on display. And unfortunately, we all made up that elephant because we're all guilty of certain behaviours that that elephant represented. There were many, many elephants in the room. Um, and good, you know, there was Barbar, there was Celeste, um, there were lots of... Dumbo. Um, Dumbo. Uh, all, all of the elephants came out that day. That was an attempt at a joke. I, I really do need to get some sleep, I think, and, and just clean up my act. It's just... <laughs> It's just a disaster today. It's but not. We'll probably get lots, lots of feedback and people say that that was JB. When you next do it, don't have sleep because you're actually more interesting. Yeah. Well, I'd never ever in all my career of working with you now, which is over a decade, I've never expected you to hum a sentence because of the, the tone and <laughs> stuff. Right. 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 I'm trying to work out who's on about now. He'll have to tell me off air. Um, right. 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 No, but it's what you do is you say you declare. So this makes really great sense. Right? Oh, now the meaning's changed. Right. Right. Okay. And then I think you could combine right with an upward inflection. Well, I can't believe we're going back there. Um, no, no, let's not. Please don't. So what? what is the plans for the Bradley household oh. in the coming days before we wrap up this, this shindigri of an episode? Well, I think lots of sleep. Have you got something in your eye? I did have a second ago, but it's now. Oh. Um, lots of sleep and... Um, oh. No thunderstorms? No thunderstorms. My wife is leaving me again. Uh, to fend for myself. Ah, I'm glad he ended that sentence. That hesitation in the sentence didn't that cause a confusion in the audience? Your wife's leaving you again. Sounded quite permanent. Can you imagine all the all the all the emails and texts that would come in? Oh, poor JB. His and also wife's left him again. Also, oh JB, single and ready to mingle. Well, there is. Um, I dare not speak about that. That would um, be quite worrying and, and exciting in equal measure. Mm. Um, but uh, no, alas. Uh, the wife is leaving me tomorrow and uh, returning late. So I've got to uh, occupy myself um, uh, during the latter part of the day. I will have to cook something. Um, so I better start thinking about that now. I don't quite know what that's going to be. Probably baked beans on toast or something. Better start planning. Um, but with the new kitchen, uh, it'll be very, very easy. Mm. Um, oh, there's nothing. On this occasion, uh, there is very little to report about what's happening this weekend because there isn't anything happening. I think it, it, it what it shows us, JB, is, is that Christabel, Mrs. Bradley, is basically your social bee. And without her presence... I'm an empty husk. <laughs> I'm an empty husband. He's going to lay in, in his in his bongo, swaying from side to side, longing for her to longing return. for her return. Yeah. Well, it's it's actually, do you know that is the truth? Ah, oh, that is lovely. she is the center of my life. Well, unfortunately, my weekends. I say unfortunately. I I would never look back in years to come to say that I regret these things. But it is another um, action-packed taxi service. Um, of things to do with the kids. So we've got, um, I think, a football match to, to go to uh, and the kids are... Oh, I don't think I told you, did I? Did I tell you? I haven't. I must tell you this before we, we sign off. Um, we had a gathering on the street um, last Friday night and um, we have a nice green in front of... For, for JB's benefit, there's no live audience today, but that, that green out there um, is where yeah. we all congregated. So the whole street got together. We've all become quite close since beginning to fight to stop the installation of this playground that's being spoken about anyway um we live at the bottom of a hill 
which is part of the reason why the playground's never gone in because it turns out it's, the gradient's too steep for them to build a, a, a safe uh, playground on. Anyway, we're on the the green at the front. Young ch- my all my children, youngest being two, are there. And all of a sudden, down the hill comes a car, up the curb, mounts the curb, is coming across the grass towards everybody. Um, and then everyone jumps out the way of it, fortunately, and it goes into the ditch at the back oh. of the of the of the of the green. Oh my goodness! So and it drove right through where everyone stood, broke a couple of chairs and things that were sat because obviously everyone just what the hell is going on. Shoot. Turns out a takeaway delivery driver had not put his handbrake on and it it drifted oh. off and was about ten miles an hour by the time it got to the bottom of the hill and was surging around onto the grass. And yeah, so it was a bit of a near death experience. Everybody, everyone was quite shaken up by it. Um, Any pizzas in it? Uh, no, he had the takeaway bag and he was running behind it saying, get out of the way, get out of the way. So everyone knew it wasn't anything more sinister. But yeah, it was a runaway car, basically. And then it went into the ditch. And so that's also going in our documentation to the council as to why they can't put a playground in. Because look at the risks. I mean, the 10 million to one, of course, but it happened. Fantastic. Happens. You staged it and didn't you? Uh, do you know what we actually thought? Was it the councillor that wants it installed? He knew we were all on the green. So let's get rid of them all. <laughs> Get rid of the people that are objecting. So that was an interesting story for us last weekend. Um, there is no Dra- moral drama. to it. Yeah, there's no moral to it. But this weekend, we int- what has come off the back of it is the kids have really started playing together nicely out the front. So there will be no doubt a lot of playtime out the front. How lovely. Yes. I can see that scene. Yeah. Well, I'll send you some photos. Anyway, um, uh, if you have any listener questions, you are welcome to email them into globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com. Please be aware that we have... Um, only um, uh, we have no episode next week so it will be a couple of weeks before we answer them but please do get involved make it even more eventual and we'll make sure that the weather forecasts of overnight storms that scare JB and keep him awake are removed from future episodes Um, but thank you very much for your time I've been Anthony Price and I've been Harvest Lee goodbye goodbye goodbye